0: This is information not being reported by anyone else.
1: You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. This Manic Monday brings us Scoop Podcast episode 161. A special thanks to Skull Marketing for keeping the podcast going. We've been going strong. For about two and a half years now, it's always a good time when the opportunity presents itself to record a fresh episode. And here we are on Monday evening, the 23rd of July. We'll get to Wolves, Vikings, Twins, and other notes. We'll get to conversations with Hall of Famer Jack Morris, Jalen Suggs, who just got done winning gold with Team USA for a second consecutive summer, Tyler Wall on why he chose the Wisconsin Badgers over the Gophers, and Maya Najee. She just got done completing her 8th grade year in the Hopkins school system. In Hopkins, you don't even start high school as a ninth grader. She's still in middle school. You start in 10th grade in the Hopkins school district. So technically, she's still a middle schooler, but she's got all sorts of basketball offers including one from Lindsay Whalen and the Gophers. Plus, I was just blown away talking to her a few weeks ago how well-spoken she is for just having finished the 8th grade. I think I was still finger-painting when finishing up the 8th grade. So I just wanted to play back that conversation. So that will be toward the latter part of this Scoop podcast. On school Marketing, they keep the podcast going, schoolmarketing.com. Or 612 787 Skoll. They are here to help business owners, in particular small business owners. They were created by two former Google employees, so they know how to master Google. So if you want your business to pop up before other comparable businesses on a Google search, these guys can help you. 612 787 Call them. You get a free 30-minute consultation. So what is there to lose? Reach out to them. Take the free 30-minute consultation. Then make a determination. Okay, they are good. Or, hey, I'll take my business elsewhere. Or, hey, I don't need the help. But at least give them the chance to sell themselves to you. Because I bet if you do... You will be won over by the Skull Marketing guys. For more information, be sure to check out their website. It is Skullmarketing.com. We'll start with the Wolves. I hear there is some internal frustration as to why Carl Anthony Towns is waiting to sign his five-year max extension offer. Now, Glenn Taylor was on Scoop Podcast episode 159 not that long ago. He laid out on the podcast, hey, the offer has been extended. So we are now... Many days into the offer being extended, I just know there's some internal frustration as to why is Carl Anthony Towns waiting? Just put your name on the dotted line. Now, the belief still remains, and checking both sides, there is no reason to believe that Carl Anthony Towns is not signing the contract. I will die on that hill. I am telling you, Carl Anthony Towns is going to sign the five-year max extension. It's a matter of when, not if. I can just tell you, though, internally at Mayo Clinic Square... There is some frustration. Speaking of Towns, he expressed some frustration. He poured some gas onto the fire of all the rumors at his camp, his annual camp at Providence Academy in Plymouth, middle of last week. I was there. Let me play back a portion of some of the things he said. Now, I will tell you that before the interview began, there were maybe 10, 12, 14 of us reporters there. We were told that Carl Anthony would only take questions about the camp. So we had to get creative. We could not ask him directly About the rumors of, you know, what's up with your relationship with Jimmy Butler? Or, hey, Vince Lagarza was let go, one of your best friends, the closest coach that you had. What are your thoughts on Vince Lagarza being let go? Hey, how's your relationship with Tom Thibodeau? We were told if we asked any of those questions, that the PR person for the camp would cut off the media availability instantly. So we had to get somewhat creative, bounce around some of the topics. So let me play back in case you missed it, a portion of what Carl Anthony Town said. This
0: year, I'm just doing one in Minnesota. Needed some time to get away and uh, enjoy my life a little bit. I've always been seeming to get so much back, you know, get right back to going to work. I forgot what it is to live a normal life and uh, have a vacation. So uh been able this year to go to uh, Italy. had a bunch of fun. had a play was living like a little boy I've always wanted to be to the Coliseum so to be there was a dream come true in my life and now I'm back here being able to do what I love to do as well as get back to the community and to the kids and uh obviously get back to work
1: as much as you love running this camp is the plan to run this camp here in Plymouth for the next five six years
0: uh say again?
1: I mean as much as you love running this camp yeah is the plan to run this camp for the next five or six years right here at Providence Academy in Plymouth
0: I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's something. Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, This is a really nice uh, place. I've always. I've I've never heard of Providence Academy, so when I came here, uh, uh, it was a lot of fun. I uh, got to uh, play an open gym with Kyle this morning, so it was pretty fun. Oh, I already knew what I was going (laughs) to say. Best of five series, Kyle Rudolph beat me, so I'll let that be known. That was a fun time.
1: How nice is that the support the Wolves, whether it's Brian Ryder over there or Noah crew was here as well.
0: I mean, it's, uh, it's awesome that the, uh, the Wolves give me a, a platform to use for these kids. You know, so uh, being able to be here and, uh, you know, having that platform, I've been able to, uh, you know, I always thank God for Flip Saunders every day for giving me the opportunity to play NBA basketball for giving me a platform to first prove myself and then second, use that platform to for the betterment of uh, society.
2: You've, you've always felt strongly about the community around
3: here and stuff. Do you, do you still feel the same way? Do you feel, does this feel like a second home to you right now still? Or
4: how would you characterize how that's developed? You
0: know, I, I think that I've done a lot of things here. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of the things I've been able to do so far. Uh, uh, but, you know, I, I've had a lot of things that... Uh, Have to be talked about, so I'll move on.
1: Definitely an interesting way to wrap up that media session. A lot of things to talk about. So clearly him and Tom Thibodeau need to sit down in the very near future. Maybe that happened late last week. Carl was here for a stretch. His agent Leon Rose was here in town again. I can't stress this enough. He is going to sign the extension. Everybody I've checked with says he is going to sign the extension. Logically speaking, guys, don't turn down Max Money off of their rookie deals. That is life-changing money. He is going to sign the contract. But nonetheless, definitely an interesting way to end that media session. I've gotten questions about whether the Wolves will trade Jimmy Butler. Let me continue to stress Uncle Mercy on even asking me the question. They are not trading Jimmy Butler anytime soon. Now, if... November, December, January, go south. Could they revisit that in February, knowing that there's a decent chance he will leave next summer? Yeah, absolutely. So I won't say, you know, never, but I'm telling you right now, they are not trading him. They are not trading him this summer. Jimmy Butler will be here in a Wolves uniform come October. I'm also continuing to hear that the Wolves are not trading Andrew Wiggins this summer. So it looks like it'll be about the same team coming back next year. You've got Joshua Kogi. You've got Keita Bates-Jopp. You've got Anthony Tolliver. You lose Jamal Crawford. You lose Nemanja Bielitza. By the way, the Wolves called Nemanja after they found out he backed out from the Philadelphia deal. But they just couldn't meet what Sacramento ultimately paid him. Now, it's framed as a three-year deal, but the third year is not guaranteed. It's really a two-year deal. But they're paying him about $7 million a year. The Wolves just don't have that sort of cap flexibility. But they figured, hey, good player. We know he likes it here in terms of raising his family. His wife likes it here. Hey, let's see if we can bring him back. But it wasn't in the cards. But do know the Wolves at least made an effort after Bielitsa backed out from the Philadelphia 76ers deal. But it looks like it'll be about the same team. If they can maintain health. Jeff Teague plays 75 games. Jimmy Butler plays 78 to 80 games. Maybe they can make a jump from 47 wins. But otherwise, we're looking at about the same collection. Now, they will add a couple free agents at some point, or maybe they make a trade for a guy. There are 12 contracts right now. The belief is they will get to 14. They won't get to the maximum of 15. Now, I've been asked about whether they've reached out on restricted free agent Rodney Hood. The answer is no. Now, maybe they just know that whatever they could offer, the Cavs would match it instantly, so it doesn't make much sense to reach out. But oftentimes the Wolves reach out on free agents. They reach out on more free agents than almost any team in the league. But on Rodney Hood, I am told they have not reached out. The Wolves were approached about doing a two-way with Raleigh Hawkins, the former Arizona star. They had him in for a workout, but the Wolves were not interested. Hawkins signed a two-way deal with the Chicago Bulls. Signs still point to John Lucas III, Filling the vacant assistant coach's job. As for free agents they still have interest in, they are in constant dialogue with a number of agents, even some players. But until they extend an offer or two, does it really matter? Because they reach out on so many free agents. So all the guys that are out there for the most part, that's why I actually mentioned Rodney Hood, because that's the headline. That's the interesting part. It's actually pretty darn surprising that they haven't inquired about Rodney Hood. But just about every free agent, especially the wing guys, every free agent that's available, you can look at any list that you can find, the Wolves have inquired. But until they start making offers, it's really not that big of a deal. We move on to the Vikings. The cause of death for 56-year-old offensive line coach Tony Sperano was announced on Monday late afternoon by the Hennepin County Attorney's Office. It was natural causes. It was heart disease. It was a heart attack. He was pronounced dead at a time of 8.54 on Sunday morning at his home in the Bear Path golf community in Eden Prairie. Just an absolute tragedy when you think about being a granddad. 56. 56 is so young, far too young. Having kids, being a great family man. We've heard so many good stories about Tony the last 24 hours or so, but it's an absolute tragedy. What's really unfortunate is really Vikings coaches, Vikings staff members really don't have much time to grieve, but specifically coaches, they were all back in the building on Monday. I'm told every single one showed up at the Twin Cities Performance Athletic Center on Monday. Nobody said, hey, I need another day or whatever. I mean, I'm sure they grieved together. I'm sure they talked about the situation with Tony, but there was also work to do because they're on the practice field On Wednesday, also a staff party that was scheduled for Monday night, sort of to kick off training camp, coaches, coaches' families. That was canceled. No word yet on any funeral plans. The unfortunate part is the show must go on. Again, coaches don't have time to grieve. They are on the practice field with the players on Wednesday. The buzz is they will bring in an outside coach. We saw this with Mike Prefer. When was that? When was he gone for a somewhat extended period a couple of years ago, Mike Zimmer brought in an interim coach, an older veteran-type coach that helped out. That is the belief as to what the Vikings will do. Now, some people have said, hey, what about Clancy Barone, former Broncos offensive line coach? He's the tight ends coach. What about shifting him to the offensive line? Then Kevin Stefanski, quarterback's coach. Hey, John DeFilippo is working with the quarterbacks a lot anyway. What about Stefanski, former tight ends coach, goes back to coaching the tight ends? Then you've got Todd Downing on the staff, former quarterbacks coach at a number of spots, the former offensive coordinator with the Raiders. He is overqualified to be a quarterbacks coach in many ways, or he's at least qualified. I say overqualified after you have called plays. But anyway, you could make a case, hey, what about Barone to the offensive line? You put Stefanski back to tight ends. Hey, Kevin, they still think the world of him if DeFilippo's a head coach in a year. Kevin Stefanski's the front runner to be the new offensive coordinator. But, hey, Kevin, you've coached tight ends before. And then, Todd, hey, you can coach quarterbacks because Coach Filippo's going to have his hands all over the quarterbacks anyway. Plus, Todd has a quarterback background. But the word is they are not going to do all that. They don't want to change multiple guys. So, look for them at some point to bring in... A veteran offensive line coach, maybe even somebody that's been retired for a couple years. They do have an assistant offensive line coach, Andrew Junoko, who they have a healthy opinion of. He's been in the building for a few years, so they could bring in an older type guy. Andrew can do a lot of the technology, a lot of those sorts of things. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. No on Mike Tice. I haven't gotten any Mike Tice questions, thankfully. Do not bet on Mike Tice returning to the Vikings organization. There is no news on a Stefan Diggs or Anthony Barr extension. It goes back to what I've been saying for a few weeks that, hey, talks have been ongoing. All it takes is one new offer, but there hasn't been a sense going back a number of weeks that a deal was close on either front. And certainly the Brandon Cooks contract now further complicates the Stefan Diggs negotiations. Barr making $12.5 million already this year. You know, there's a thought, hey, he's already making good money. Why not play this thing out? Now, the Vikings could use the franchise tag on one of the guys after the season. But, hey, I would not be shocked at this point if they end up losing one of the guys. But, again, all it takes is one new offer. But as I sit here on Monday evening, the 23rd of July, there is zero sense on either front that the Vikings are close. Like last year, they announced an extension for Everson Griffin on the first day of training camp. We've seen the Vikings do things like that. In the past, it's an interesting way, a fun way to kick off training camp, although heavy hearts undoubtedly now with the passing of Tony Sperano, nothing is going to change that. But we've seen the Vikings in years past do things like that, but there's no sense that when the players hit the practice field for the first time on Saturday that the Vikings are going to make news. But we will continue to track both situations. We will dig deep, as deep as we can on, hey, is there progress? Are they moving closer? I mean, the Vikings want to keep both. They think the world of both, so all it takes is one new offer, but no sense as of Monday night that the Vikings are close on either front. On the health front, it appears that Everson Griffin should be good to go on Saturday. Andrew Sandejo should be good to go. I know Jeff Baudet, the free agent wide receiver, rookie from the University of Oklahoma, he's a speedster. I know he opened up a ton of eyes in rookie minicamp, he had a hamstring injury. He missed a good portion of OTAs and the mandatory minicamp. He is good to go. I went to check on a few other guys like Jalen Holmes and some others. I did not. On Pat Elfline, I know he has one more doctor's visit where he's hoping to get full clearance to be 100% for Saturday. Then next Monday, the 30th, is the first full team practice in pads. But I know that that's still a to-be-determined situation whether Pat Elfline will have clearance to be on the field practicing with his teammates after the injury in the NFC Championship game on January 21st. The Vikings were approached on a number of the available pass-rushing defensive ends. Guys like Robert Ayers, others, the Vikings are passing. So even though the Vikings want to rotate defensive linemen more than they ever have, certainly in the Mike Zimmer regime, they're not looking to add any veteran right now, veteran type. There's a number of good pass rushers still available or guys with track records that maybe still have a chance, and the Vikings have been contacted by the agents for all those guys, but the Vikings are telling the agents, hey, we are not interested in signing any pass-rushing defensive ends right now. One other NFL note, it involves a former Viking. Hey, a Viking that one day likely will be a Vikings Ring of Honor inductee. Heck, he would be if there weren't off the field red flags, but I think on the field, his performance speaks for itself. Adrian Peterson, he's still looking for work. He's said to be in phenomenal shape. I hear Jacksonville has kicked the tires. Now, nothing is close, but it would be interesting if on August 15th and 16th, when Jacksonville comes to Eagan for joint practices with the Vikings, then they play the Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium a couple days later, it would be cool if Adrian Peterson was on the practice field. But right now, nothing is even remotely close. But I do hear that Jacksonville has inquired. All right, let's get to the Twins. It is Hall of Fame week. There are a number of St. Paulites, Minnesotans, Twins fans as a whole, trekking to Cooperstown, New York, to watch Jack Morris, the pride of St. Paul, the former Twin, former Blue Jay, former Tiger, most noted for his performance in Detroit, although the one year with the Twins, 1991. Will always go down in history, especially for his 1991 Game 7 World Series performance. But certainly Detroit fans will say, hey, he spent a majority of his career here, had a lot of success. We view him as a Tiger. But Jack certainly had a wonderful one-year run in a Twins uniform. It'll be very, very cool to have Jack, Paul Molitor, and Dave Winfield in Cooperstown this upcoming weekend. I mean, outside of Mobile, Alabama, no city has produced more Hall of Famers Van St. Paul. And yes, Paul Molitor is taking a couple games off from the weekend series at Fenway Park against the Red Sox to be in Cooperstown to watch his good friend, Jack Morris, enter the Hall of Fame. I caught up with Jack Morris the other day for a brief conversation. I wanted to hear how the speech was coming along and a few other notes. So here's my conversation with the Hall of Famer, Jack Morris. Forget months, weeks. I mean, the countdown is now days. How are you handling your emotions? <laughs>
5: Well, it's, it's exciting, no question about it. <laughs> um, I uh, I don't know as long well as it sank in yet, and I don't know if it will in time. I'm actually standing on that stage with all the guys behind me, and then reality will probably hit me like a ton of bricks. But, you know, I don't feel a whole lot different. I've got a lot of attention. You know, obviously I've done a million of these interviews, and, and uh, so many teammates and friends have congratulated me. But uh, other than that, my life hasn't changed that much.
1: Does it? sort of set in though at least semi-reality when when you're writing out that speech and you're going through all the people that you need to thank
5: yeah but you know what i think everybody should do that anyway just to reflect on who's important in their life and what what it means to them uh you know that's you know I i had a long time to think about writing this speech and when it came down to actually putting it to print i realized you know what it's just another person's experience in baseball it's not anything revolutionary i'm not writing an inspirational speech to try to motivate a, a corporation. I'm just writing about uh, a simple kid's story of baseball. So it's, it's pretty cut and dry. It's not any different than a lot of guys. Are you feeling like you got everybody that you need to include in there? No. No, but you're never going to get it all in eight minutes. So you're going you're gonna to hit the top of what, what, what's important to you, and, and then you're going to acknowledge that uh, there's still time, hopefully, left in my life that I get to run into the people that I want to thank personally.
1: Have you? I mean, you've been asked this a million times, but I mean, how amazing it is that that there's the collection of St. Paul kids that are in Cooperstown. I mean, it just it, it boggles the mind. Like a yeah. hundred years ago, like what would be the chances? Like one in one billion of something like that happening?
5: Well, there's only one other city with more, and that's Mobile, Alabama. They have five. Um, now, St. Paul, Minnesota's got three, and and the difference in climate is amazing to me. That's what makes it so incredible is that you've got uh, mid, upper Midwest environment where baseball's played three and a half, four months a year when we were kids, and that was it. And you move on to the next part.
1: How special is it that Molly's going to be there, that he's going to miss a couple of those I, games in Boston?
5: I'm thrilled that he's coming. I really am. I know that uh, it takes a lot for him to take the time, but he wanted to be there for both Tram and me. He knows both of us well. Uh, glad Dave's going to be there. You know, Obviously, he would be as part of being a former Hall of Famer himself anyway, but yeah, it means a lot to me to to have those guys in front of me and, uh, you know, support me in this endeavor.
1: Maybe after this, I mean, how many times along the years did you think this just, this isn't going to happen?
5: Well, I kind of learned to accept that it wouldn't. Um, you know, but it, the what p- gave me peace is that, and I guess maybe that's why it hasn't really sunk in for me. The same thing goes hand in hand is that I came to... The realization that my career was pretty good and I, I was accepting it and that you know I couldn't do anymore it is what it is and um, ultimately when you come to a peace with who you are and what you are uh, whatever happens after that is out of your control and I think that's what happened for me is I finally came to the realization that I, it's, on, it's beyond my control I should never put another worry of thoughts into it anymore because I've got to just uh, be, be happy and thankful for what I've been able to do
1: Hall of Famer Jack Morris what kind of what kind of ring does that have to you? I mean, you know, you're going to be doing all these, you know, autograph shows. You do all these appearances at different stadiums. Now it's going to be Hall of Famer Jack yeah. Morris. What what hits you when I say that?
5: I don't know. I, I you know, like I say, I, I haven't really changed as a person. I don't think it's it's, it's obviously an honor. No question. It's an honor. But I can't help but think of all the people that were important to me that never got that honor. And so to, to make me that much different, I, I just have a tough time believing that I'm that much different. I, I played the game at a, at a high level, and I'm proud of that. And I would not ever shy away from admitting that. But it doesn't change me as a human being. You know, we, we're all people.
1: The Hall of Famer, Jack Morris. Sunday should be a fun day, a very special day. On the trade front, I will continue to say that I foresee the Twins moving multiple assets. Maybe it's in the same trade, But I see them moving at least a couple guys off the 25-man roster as the non-waiver trade deadline approaches on the 31st, a week from tomorrow. Recording this on the 23rd, tomorrow then would be, hey, I can do the the simple math, the 24th. So a week from tomorrow, eight days from when we're recording this, is the non-waiver trade deadline in Major League Baseball. I foresee the Twins making multiple moves. I foresaw it even before the disaster of a weekend In Kansas City. On Irvin Santana. I think it's more likely he moves in August. Not now. But he will start on Wednesday for the Twins. He will have a number of scouts watching him on Wednesday. Here are the teams that I know that have been in constant dialogue with the Twins. I'm sure there's more. But certainly the Brewers, Red Sox, Diamondbacks, and Phillies. Now the Brewers need a starting pitcher. They had free agent interest last winter in Lance Lynn. They know that Lynn knows the National League Central. Lance Lynn to the Brewers. Makes a ton of logical sense. I've been asked a ton about Brian Dozier. Is it a lock that Brian Dozier moves? I don't know if it's a lock. I can't, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't say, yeah, it's 100% he's moving. I don't know. What I can tell you is teams have been made aware that Brian Dozier is very, 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 very available. So if the Twins get the right offer, which shouldn't take much, yeah, I do think Brian Dozier will land elsewhere. But I can't sit here and tell you, yeah, it's 100% that Brian Dozier ends up elsewhere. On the health front, Byron Buxton went on the A DL on July 14th. I'm told he will be ready to come off early this week, although he wasn't swinging a bat as late as or as recently as late last week. He's still dealing with that wrist injury, but I'm told he is progressing. He is moving right along. He should be back in the Rochester lineup in the very near future. We had Twins GM Thad Levine on a handful of weeks ago. He told us, hey, yeah, the plan is for Michael Pineda to pitch for us in September. Well, an update on Pineda. He will begin his rehab assignment with the Gulf Coast team on August 6th. So signs still point to Pineda, who signed a two-year deal with the Twins. He will be in the Twins rotation next year, opening day on, barring any sort of catastrophic injury, something else happening. But assuming health, Pineda will be in the Twins 2019 rotation. He will also be in the Twins rotation sometime in September. All signs point to Pineda being okay to join the Twins In September, I've been asked about Paul Molitor's contract. If the third year is a team option or if it's guaranteed in the event that they cut the cord after the season, I can just tell you it is fully guaranteed. It is not a team option. What else have I been asked about recently? Kyle Gibson, a free agent after next season, I've been asked, hey, have there been any extension talks? The short answer is no. And then I can tell you that Alan Boosnitz, no surprise, is frustrated going up and back. I mean, he feels like, hey... You know, it's not like he's a young guy. I know his camp looks at it and says, hey, Matt Belisle, he still has a job. Although the twins feel like they need his leadership, however you quantify that. But I just know there's some there's some frustration from the Boostnitz camp on Boosnitz going up and back, and he was sent back to Rochester on Sunday. We move on to the local high school basketball scene slash college basketball scene. We'll start with Jalen Suggs, class of 2020, Mini Haha Academy. He just got done winning gold for a second straight summer with Team USA. This summer he was on the Team USA under-17 team. They won gold in Argentina. I caught up with Jalen the other day. Jalen, you're wearing the USA basketball shorts. I mean, another successful trip overseas, and and all you do is, is win gold.
4: Yeah, um, that, that that was a great time. Uh, second time winning, um, second time was even better. Uh, you know, training training camp was a lot tougher this uh, this time around. Um, like I said, there was thirty real competitive players there, and I definitely came down to the last day. Um, so then, but once we got down there, you know, it was good times. Um, you know, I, I learned a whole lot while I was down there, and uh, it's it's an experience I'll never forget.
1: Would you tell us some of the things that you did learn?
4: Uh, yeah, uh, coach had these gold standards. Um, that he got from Coach K uh, when well, he was coaching the uh, uh, national team, the Olympic team. Um, and then it was about it was 15 of them. And the first one, no excuses. And the last one was, uh, you know, pride. And pride was we play for the best country, um, best country in the world. And, you know, you got to own that. Uh, when you're walking around with USA across your chest, wherever you go, in a foreign country, um, you know, everyone's going to judge uh, your whole country on how you act. Um, so we had to handle ourselves and carry ourselves real well uh, while we were down there. And uh, just on the court, um, you know, he taught he taught me so much. Um, you know, f- from being more disciplined, um, you know, to watching film with him, uh, you know. So like I said, just all around uh, that experience down there was great.
1: You said that the second time was better than the first time. Why? Um, yeah, uh, like I said, training camp.
4: Um, there, there was a lot less people this year. So they went from 86 last year to 30 this year, and uh, it really honestly came down to the last day. I mean, I was injured for part of it. Um, and then so when I came back, you know, I'd have two good days, real good days uh, of camp um, in order to make the team. And after I made it, uh, Coach came up to me and told me, he said, it really was that last practice, um, you know, where I gave it all I had. And uh, like I said, just just going from almost not making it, uh, you know, to, you know, pl- having a good last two practices and then making the team, uh, you know, that that is great. How
1: about the overall experience in Argentina?
4: Uh, Argentina was unique. Um, you know, i had been there before, but, you know, a different city this time. Uh, this year is a bigger city. Uh, we're in Santa Fe, and uh, like I said, people there are great. Um, you know, always had sold out, sold out games. Uh, you know, people they love watching us play. Uh, you know, love talking to us afterwards. Um, you know, j- just just the love in Argentina is great.
1: How's your game evolved? I mean, not only with Team USA, but throughout the summer. I mean, you've always been able to play on the ball, off the ball, but but how much has your game evolved?
4: Um, I'll say I'd be I've become a lot uh, smarter player. Um, you know, th- that's one thing that USA did help me with. Uh, we watch film pretty much every day. And, uh, you know, they showed me my mistakes, and then they showed me what I did well. And then, you know, I just learned, um, tried to use those tools in the games, and it definitely has helped. Um, You know, it showed while we were in Atlanta this past weekend, um, you know, I was playing smarter, you know, taking better shot selection. And then uh, I think the the other biggest key was, you know, I become a better leader Um, on the USA team. Uh, you know, they told me how to be a leader as well. Um, you know, I was, I'm was the one of the most uh, energized player. You know, I love to get on the ground, love to play defense. Um, and then when I come back to my AU team, uh, you know, the, the guys kind of rally around me. Uh, so, you know, whatever kind of energy I bring, they match.
1: What kind of leader are you? I mean, are you are you a leader by example? Or are you even more vocal now than ever? Um,
4: I, I would say in the past, I was definitely a leader by example. Um, you know, I would I'd talk, but I wouldn't say much. Um, you know, I kind of just let like the game speak for itself, and then have anyone, have everyone else. Uh, you know, match the energy that I'm bringing. Uh, but after USA, and then coming back down to Atlanta, uh, you know, I definitely became a lot more vocal um because you know that that's a huge part of the game uh, that a lot of people don't really understand uh you know while you're playing the game of basketball uh if you and your whole team are talking it makes everything a lot easier
1: how busy has the stretch been i mean is this about your first day back here and who knows about 30 days or if you've been back maybe you've been back for a day and then you're on an airplane again
4: uh, it's been extremely busy. Um, I haven't been back since June 14th. Uh, so it, it was real good to get back in town, uh, see some family, um, you know, just relax in my own house. Um, but, yeah, I mean, but it's all part of the process, you know, and I love the process, and th- this is what it takes to be great.
1: And your process, though, is multiple. I mean, it's football and basketball. So, I mean, how do you how do you manage it all? Um, family.
4: Um, you know, th- they've always been there for me. I mean, they me out whenever I need it. Um, you know, doing all the little things for me. You know, laundry chores. You know, just to so have some downtime to relax. Um, but you know, then I make it all up for them on the football field. And, you know, they're all proud of me for that. Um, you know, they they never miss a game. You know, I always got someone there. Uh, so, like I said, uh, they're a huge help.
1: Time flies. I mean, next thing you know, first day of football practice, right? Yes, <laughs> sir.
4: Uh, yeah, football practice starts in about three weeks. Uh, so, really excited to get back to that. Um, haven't seen my coaches in a while. Haven't uh, haven't really played in a while. Um, so like I said, Friday night's are always the best, and I can't get away back to it.
1: You did visit Ohio State for football. How, how did that visit
4: go? Uh, that visit was great. Um, I talked to Coach Meyer, uh, Coach Day, uh, you know, and they both really loved me. Um, you know, We went over some film. We threw the ball a little bit. Uh, went and saw the campus. Um, so, you know, I, I, like it. I like it a lot down there. Um, obviously, the football program is great. Uh, basketball program is definitely on the up-and-coming. Um, and so they're, they're, they're headed in the right direction.
1: Is it still possible that, that you do play football at the next level?
4: Um, it is a possibility. Um, but like I said, right now, uh, just playing both, trying to get better so that uh, you know, at the end of the day I have the, I have the opportunity if I want to, to do that.
1: On the basketball recruiting front, how many, how many coaches saw you down in Atlanta?
4: uh countless um i believe there's about at least 20 25 coaches that every game that we played um so like i said uh packed house um, You know, a lot a lot of the players on the team got offers this weekend and and interest so uh that, that's really all that matters uh, you know we'd love to get wins but at the end of the day um you know i want uh, me and my guys to go to school for free
1: any coaches in particular that you did notice i mean i think i saw coach patino there uh yeah coach patino
4: um coach conroy uh, from Minnesota and then uh Coach Roy Williams was there, Coach Self, uh, Coach K, Coach Calipari, um and then, you know, Ben Johnson, Xavier, uh,
1: you know, and countless others. And you're right, I mean Dane, others. Did Lockett get his first offer? I mean you're right, I mean your team is, is blowing up. Yeah, uh, Terry got his first offer from Hampton. I think
4: Hampton offered about four players on our team. Um, so, like I said, it's great for those guys to get offers. You know, they're they're always happy. Uh, you know, very excited. You know, I, I've been through the process already. Um, you know, a little bit. Uh, so, you know, I helped them guys out with it. Um, but, like I said, seeing them get their first uh, first offers, it, it's really a good time.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, I just I see the smile on your face. I mean, you've been through this. I mean, this is old hat for you, but for guys like Dane and Lockett and those guys, I mean, it just it has to put the biggest smile on your face.
4: Of course it does. Uh, you know, those are my guys. Um, you know, I'd do anything for them. And then uh, to see them succeed on the basketball court like that, uh, you know, honestly, there's nothing better.
1: I caught up with Suggs middle of last week before he took off again. He played in Milwaukee in an event in Milwaukee over the weekend, and a number of coaches, including Patino and others, watched Suggs and his grassroots team over the weekend on all those Hampton offers Hampton has an assistant coach that's a former coach in the Minneapolis City Conference so Hampton is picking up its recruiting efforts here in town the coach's name I mentioned him on a scoop podcast going back a number of weeks because he was angling for the Gophers assistant job one of the two assistant openings that were filled in the last couple months. Oh, boy, I should have written down his name. Why did I even bring it up here? Anyway, I'm just telling you, Hampton has an assistant coach with ties to the Twin Cities, so it's not shocking that they're offering a handful of kids. On Suggs's recruiting visits that are coming up in the fall, he told me off camera, or maybe his dad did. I forget who did. But anyway, Iowa, Ohio State. Now, both those schools want him for football and basketball, so when he visits there in the fall, Iowa City and Columbus – He can do recon on both football and basketball. Then on the basketball front, he'll take visits to Kansas, Duke, and North Carolina. On the Gophers men's basketball front, Amir Coffey is way ahead of schedule. He's doing great coming back from that right shoulder surgery middle of the season. He has gone through contact. So most recently, he was back to shooting and doing everything in practice except for contact. He now has absorbed some contact. The Gophers... Practice for like another week or so. It's like early August, then they'll take like three weeks off and they will reconvene around the state fair. But they have been doing those summer practices. So Amir Coffee is good to go. If Amir Coffee comes back for his senior year, he could have been teammates with Tyler Wall from Lakeville North. The Gophers wanted Wall, they offered him, but Tyler Wall told the Gophers no. He told Wisconsin, yes, I caught up with Tyler a few weeks ago, just didn't have a chance to play back the conversation. But here's my conversation with Tyler Wall from Lakeville North on why the Wisconsin Badgers and why not the Gophers. Tyler, it's the same question I ask every young man or woman when he or she commits to a college. Why Wisconsin?
6: I, just, I think uh, all the coaches and the players, they all have great relationship. They're all good guys, and I think that I fit really well with the Badgers, they value all the little things that I do, on and off the court.
1: And what are some of those little things that that you you know can contribute and they, that they value?
6: Like um, taking a charge, diving on the court, and then just helping your teammates stuff stuff like that.
1: Now, how much did the relationship just develop? I mean, they offered you when? I mean, was it April? Yeah, April. So I mean, everything happened mm-hmm. relatively fast.
6: Right. I've been talking to them since uh, last June but just like little small talk here and there and then after they offered me then they started ramping it up a little bit so yeah
1: but over that year you feel like you've built up a great relationship with both coach Guard and was it was it coach Kravenhoff yep. that did a lot of the uh, the assistant coach recruiting
6: yeah they did we all we took phone calls and just built our relationship they didn't really talk a whole lot about recruiting early on but they just asked me how my day's going see how my life's going on
1: and you know, we talked about this when when you got the gopher's offer and I can't remember if the badgers had offered you when we last talked or not, but, but the fact that you have a relationship already in place with, with somebody like Nate Reavers right only I mean, I'm jumping the gun here a little bit maybe, but you can tell us about it, but, but I would think only helped your decision making.
6: Right, me and Nate had a good relationship. We spent that whole year together when I was a sophomore. He was a senior, just playing basketball. So we had a good relationship. He talked about how how much he liked Wisconsin. Then he gave me all the little things that not necessarily a coach would tell you about the school.
1: And was it always your plan? I mean, when you were there for, was it the elite camp? Mm -hmm. Was that always your plan that, okay, I'm going to be in Madison. I'm leaning this way anyway. I may as well announce when I'm in Madison.
6: Well, we went there for team camp. And I kind of had a good idea that I was going to commit there, but I kind of wanted it to be just about my team and building our our strong relationship with our new guys. So then the next week I was going to commit.
1: Okay, and that's when you decided. But you were in Wisconsin when you did commit? Yep. What yeah. was that moment like when you told, was it the whole coaching staff or did you personally call Coach Guard?
6: It was awesome. Um, it was, we were in his office. It was my mom, my dad, my aunt and uncle were there. Until so his coach, guard, coach Crab, and then Nate Reavers was there too. He walked in, but yeah, it was it was really awesome because I told him I was going to commit before he even like asked why not Wisconsin. He was going that was part of his spiel, and I committed before he even asked that. I mean,
1: speak about the culture they have there. I mean, last year was a down year for their standards, but you think about all the success they've had. I mean, going back what 19 20 years I mean constantly in the NCAA tournament making runs not Mm -hmm. only making the tournament but but making runs I mean it seems like there's very much a winning culture in place in Madison
6: yeah I I really value that Lakeville North we have a a good culture we won won our section the last seven years we're looking for an eighth year and they really value winning just like Lakeville North I think that's a big part of why I chose there too
1: how about style of play I mean the way that coach guard plays maybe wants to play moving forward how does that fit your skill set?
6: I think it fits my skill set very well because I can play one through four. I'll find my way on the court, hopefully. And I think it's kind of uh, kind of the same as Lakeville North. How it's not really it's not really run and gun, but you still run up and down the court a little bit and a big defensive focus. Have you gotten
1: to know some of the other Minnesotans? I mean, Brad Davidson obviously just had a very successful freshman year. The kid from Hopkins Hedstrom,
3: mm-hmm. is
1: heading there. Have you developed a relationship with those right. guys too?
6: Yeah, I talked to Brad and Nate and I've just started to talk to Joe a little bit. And then also a walk on Walt Magori. So I have good relationships with them. And then I've also started to develop some of the some of the guys that aren't from Wisconsin well, or Minnesota. From Edina? Yep.
1: So yeah, I mean, <laughs> you think about it, I mean and they want Zeke.
6: Uh huh.
1: You know, I mean heck, it's it's Minnesota East, right? right. In many ways.
5: <laughs> Yeah, I
1: mean it's pretty amazing what Coach Guard is doing there, and you know trying to put a, a stranglehold on on Minnesota kids.
6: Yeah, I think it's I think it's good for us us to go to Wisconsin. They have a good winning record, and I think we can continue to
1: do that as Minnesota kids. On the flip side, how hard was it to tell some of the schools that offered you, thank you, but no thank you? Yeah,
6: it was really tough. That's something that kids don't really realize they want to get recruited and all this, and then when that times when that time comes where you have to tell. Schools know it's really hard, hard to do that.
1: So how did you tell them? Was it text? Was it phone calls?
6: Um, I, I gave um, a few coaches phone calls. I gave Coach Patino, uh, Coach Collins, and then Coach Prom phone calls, and then also some of the first schools that recruited me.
1: What were those phone calls like?
6: It was tough. I, I tried to keep them short so I didn't get too upset, but it, it was tough.
1: But were they also understanding? I mean. Mm-hmm all three of those coaches have been around the block whether as a head coach or as an assistant I mean it's the way it works you're not going to get I mean even Duke and Kentucky they don't get every recruit so you're going to offer kids and not get them so were those coaches understanding of of your decision
6: yeah they're completely understanding they wish me good luck and then I'm sure I'll keep in touch with them as the year goes on
1: was Minnesota one of the harder ones yeah. It was wise to say no to just because it's the hometown team?
6: Yeah, it was tough, and it was early in the morning, so I don't know. It was a little tough waking up and trying to give them that, that bad news.
1: And, I mean, do you feel like you built up a good relationship with Patino and the Gophers, and you took that visit, right, not yeah, that long d- ago? Just it was one of those deals where you liked Minnesota, but you liked Wisconsin a little bit better?
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I'd visited there uh, the one time in the spring, and I also went to practice a couple weeks ago, and so, yeah, we dealt, we developed a good relationship. Went there, up, went up there a couple of times, and just really started to get to know the guys.
1: What's been the feedback like? I mean, whether it's social media or just seeing people, do people understand that you had to make the decision that was best for you? That that you know, you can't always say yes to the hometown team. Right.
6: People people have been congratulating me, but I try to block out the negative things and just not fall too deep into that trap. Is that challenging at times? I'm um, a little bit. Yeah, most of it's just like, why not the Gophers? But they're not really bashing me too hard.
1: Are you now going to work on your on your D one Minnesota teammate Zeke? I mean, are you going to be in <laughs> his ear? I mean, guard's been on him for a while, right? Right. as long as anybody. But will you help that recruiting process with with Zeke Najee? Yeah,
6: I'm sure I'll help a little bit. I'll I'll talk to him a few times, but I'll try not to be too overwhelming about it. Let him live out his recruiting.
1: Speaking of Zeke, the soon to be senior from Hopkins High School. He is participating in an Adidas camp this week, a select camp, along with Tyrell Terry, the Stanford commit from De La Salle, and Matthew Hurt from Rochester, John Marshall. On Zeke, I saw him quoted, I saw a tweet, I didn't have a subscription to 24-7, but I saw a tweet saying that Najee says seven schools are focusing on him. It turns out actually it's more than that. Now I'm sure maybe he just you know heat of the moment just forgot a couple of the schools. But here are the schools that are in constant contact with Zeke and or his dad. Well, the Badgers. The Badgers have been on Zeke longer than anyone. Certainly the Gophers. Richard Pitino and the Gophers want Zeke Najee badly. Also Arizona, UCLA, Ohio State, Purdue, Indiana, Oklahoma. Baylor with Jared Nunes, and Georgetown. Those are the 10 schools that are in constant contact with Zeke and or his dad. Kansas State may offer soon, although they're far too late. Kansas State, by the way, on Monday offered Ben Carlson, the 2020 forward from Eastridge in Woodbury. But Kansas State may offer Zeke, but it appears they are too late. Now, if Kansas offers Zeke, we've been talking about Kansas' interest in Zeke Najee. Going back a couple months, if Kansas offers, that could be a game changer. He would absolutely consider Kansas a blue blood. But Kansas State, even if they do offer, and they've shown interest, if they do offer, I'm not quite sure I like Kansas State's chances on Zeke offering so late. But Kansas, I'm telling you, that could be a game-changing offer. Zeke, by the way, will announce his college choice sometime before the Hopkins basketball season starts. So it could be as soon as September, early October or it could be early November, late October, but sometime this fall is when Zeke Naji will announce his college choice, one of the top 50 players in the country in the class of 2019. The Naji family is an unbelievably talented basketball family. Zeke's younger sister, Maya, just finished the eighth grade in the Hopkins School District. She has offers from both Wisconsin and Lindsey Whalen and the Gophers. Plus, she has interest from a number of other schools. In a year or two, Maya Najee is going to have a lengthy offer list. She plays power forward slash center, but she can also shoot it. She is uber talented. She also impressed me a ton when I talked to her recently. I'm telling you, she just finished the eighth grade. She has the gift of gab. I was incredibly impressed by her interviewing skills. So here's my conversation with Maya Najee. Maya, let's just start with these workouts. I mean... How do these workouts lay the groundwork for what you guys hope to accomplish come November, December, January as as the season ramps up?
3: Well, I just have to continue to work hard so that we make all the little mistakes here, and then when we come into the games, we're ready and prepared. Like, we have to start the grind now. It starts right after the season. We have to get in the gym, lift weights on the driveway, getting shots up, practicing on the things you need to work on.
1: And I mean, even listening to Coach Kaz there at the end, I mean, he's emphasizing a lot of those points, wasn't he?
3: Yeah, he said that um, at least we're making the mistakes now because it's not we're not the top, we're not at our peak yet, and we still have a, a long ways to go. Season hasn't started yet; we have a lot of off season left, so we have a lot of time to work on the things we need to perfect.
1: When you're not in the gym here or over at Lindbergh Center, are you doing some team camps? Take us through what will keep you busy here this summer.
3: Um, I went to recently. I went to the Wisconsin Elite Camp. Um, last Sunday, I think. It was like a week ago. And then I went to the Minnesota Gopher Camp on Thursday with Lindsey Whalen. Those are the only two camps I've been to so far. And then I got invited to the Future Stars Elite Camp um, in, I think it's in Atlanta. So, yeah.
1: Very nice. And then when you go to those, specifically those two you know, Wisconsin and Minnesota camps, they then made you offers after after the camps?
3: Yeah, yeah. They came up to me after I thanked them for inviting me and um they said there was an offer on the table for me. So yeah.
1: Take us through that moment when you got the Wisconsin offer. That was your first offer. What was that moment like?
3: Well, we were doing three-on-three, and then one of the assistant coaches told me to stay after. That coach wants to talk to me. And then um, I went over. He said that you had a really great camp. You showed us a lot of skills, a lot of potential, which is what it is right now. I still have to put more work in. And um, he said that he wants to offer me in hopes that I keep Wisconsin in mind and I make my final decision.
1: And then what was your reaction when you got the offer?
3: I was super excited. It was super humbling to know that the coaches have seen me and that all my hard work is paying off, and it's just the beginning for me.
1: And then you go to Gophers camp. How did they make the offer?
3: Um, I wanted to thank Lindsey Whedon for um, inviting me, and she said that I played really well. Um, she was asking me if I'd like to come to. The, she asked me if I'd like to come to the U of M, and I was like, "Yeah." yeah. She's like, "Well, you have a scholarship here," and it was just really exciting because it's someone I look up to as a basketball player, being on the Lynx and in the WNBA, coming from Minnesota. Yeah, yeah I
1: mean, heck, you watch her on Saturday. Yeah. You know, help them beat New York. Yeah. You'll watch her tonight. At Target Center, you know, hopefully they, they beat Dallas. I mean, how cool is that, that she's coaching the U while still playing?
3: That's a really good uh, It's really great. It just shows how, much she, how big of a passion she has for the game and how much she wants to de- dedicate her life and her skills to help other people and to play the game as well.
1: And how much does it just mean to you just to have the hometown team, the one-division-one school here in Minnesota, make you an offer?
3: Uh, that was really exciting because, I mean, I have the opportunity to stay home, and it's a really nice school. They've updated a lot of things, re- renovated, and they have really nice facilities, practice gyms and everything. It was really exciting to me.
1: Tell us a little bit more about how much you followed Lindsay throughout her career.
3: Well, I knew she went to Hutchinson, and her um, one of her coaches was my uh, AAU coach in fifth grade. And so the uh, the, the fact that she's still in Minnesota is really exciting to me.
1: How much pride do you take in, in being able to score inside but also have that really good outside shot?
3: Yeah, you want to be like a stretch player. You want to be able to um, have a variety of what you can do and how you can score so that if they shut down your post game, they start packing in the lane, you can take it outside, and you can one dribble shot, you can hit threes, you can do all that action. You don't have to be confined to one area in one type of game.
1: you feel like one area is better than the other right now?
3: Mm, I don't know. I'm, I'm working on everything right now. Trying to get my post game up, trying to get stronger, trying to get my outside game up, hit more threes, take more shots um, outside and inside too. Finishing around the rim, blocking shots, playing defense.
1: How much fun is it going to be next year to, to play with Page backers, and really for the next couple of years?
3: It's really exciting. We're looking to get the state championship. We haven't won one in three years and we are really hungry right now. We are really excited to get Back on um, to Williams Arena and to Target Center to get revenge <laughs> again, once again trying. We're looking to win more and more.
1: I mean, do you feel like that Paige is leading that charge? That that she's really driven after losing in the championship game the last couple of years.
3: Definitely, definitely. Paige is a really good leader. She works really hard every day. She's always in the gym, trying to get better. Even though she's an amazing player, she's not satisfied.
1: Who are some of the other schools that are talking to you?
3: Um. Well, I recently called Ohio State because they can't contact me, but they my, they asked my coach to give me their phone number, and I called them. And then my um, cause said that Baylor wants to talk to me. So those are the two schools.
1: My conversation with Maya Najee, soon to be ninth grader at Hopkins in the Hopkins School District. I can't even say Hopkins High School because she'll still be in middle school in the school district. But that was my conversation with Maya Najee. And that was like three or four weeks ago. So since that conversation, she's actually gotten an offer from Chris Carr. Remember him? Former Timberwolf. He's on the staff at Kansas State. So he made an offer to her. So Kansas State now has offered Myanaji. So she's got Kansas State. She's got the Gophers. She's got the Badgers. She'll soon have many, many more offers. Remember that name. Remember that team, especially with Paige Beckers, who Lindsey Whalen would love to get. But it'll be tough to top UConn or Notre Dame. Those would be the two frontrunners on the Paige Becker's recruiting front. Always appreciate you listening. Be sure to support Skull Marketing, skollmarketing.com for more information. They will help you make money. If you're a business owner, think about utilizing Skull Marketing. Take advantage of a free 30-minute consultation. 612-787-SKOLL. Skoll Marketing keeps the podcast going. We are done. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode
2: 161. Appreciate you listening. To be your best everyday